0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Another episode of the Principal Leadership Lab. Adam, we are in season two already, man. And uh, this is episode number three. So I'm glad to be joining you again, my friend, on another gloomy day. I know you said it was gloomy in Wisconsin. Same here in Illinois. Gloomy day.
1: We're not too far apart. You know what? We may be recording season two, episode three, but you haven't done your part of season two, episode two, so we can publish that yet.
0: Well, I know. I'm just. I've been busy, so give me a break, and I'll yeah. get. I'll get yeah. to it when I when I can. Okay, but it's so a good it, one
1: because it's just the dynamic duo. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: I'm not sure that that by the time we get this episode out, three, uh, two, uh, will already have been out, and people have listened to it, and they're gonna already know what we're talking about. So,
1: well, once we publish this one, and everybody hears who our guest is, they probably won't listen to ours.
0: Oh, yeah. And you're right. I mean, you got a point there. Yeah, you we should
1: delay it for a week.
0: We should. <laughs> I think mean, That's a great idea. <laughs> that's a great idea. And speaking of guests in this episode, episode number three of season two of the Principal Leadership Lab, she is the founder and chief innovation officer at e-therapy, Diana Paraffinic. Diana, welcome in. We're so glad to have you here on the PLL.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I look so forward to this.
0: All right. Well, it's going to be a great time. We warned you in the pre-show that, you know, none of the sarcasm or underlying (laughs) negativity that you may think you hear is directed at you. Okay. It's just (laughs) between us. (laughs) Noted. (laughs) So listen, Diana. Uh, like Adam said, we're we're so thrilled, to, and you said too. I mean, thank you. We're thrilled to have you on the show. We're 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 really looking forward to finding out more about you, and, and the work that you do. And when we when you and I first connected uh, on Twitter, of course, it was uh, talking about you know just mental health of staff and students, and um, which really, of course, struck a chord with me. And when I shared with Adam that you know you would wanted to come on, uh, we were both very interested. Because that is, believe it or not, Diana, one of the number one issues going on in, in schools across the nation and, and dare I say the world, um, yeah. because of this pandemic right now. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I mean, it's always been, it's always been an issue and it's always been at the forefront of our minds as educators and leaders of our buildings. Um, but but right now I think is really a critical critical time, and so I'm really curious to hear about your work and and how you got to this work and, and just so I'm clear I mean you you're you're a pioneer in the teletherapy yeah. industry in education right I mean that's yeah. kind, of, kind of what your bio talks about a little right. bit
2: right no that's that's absolutely correct and I um I really appreciate you kind of mentioning that because it's been an evolution and an experience to be an innovator and a pioneer in the space as we've seen it sort of unfold and the development of teletherapy and telehealth and tele-rehab. When I started this company over 12 years ago now, which seems almost impossible that that's the case, Um, I live in a really remote and rural area in northern Arizona. Mm -hmm. And I am on the border of the Navajo and Hopi reservations, which really struggle with accessing therapy services, both for related services such as speech therapy and occupational therapy, physical therapy, and all of the related services that we utilize um, to support students in special education programs as well as mental health counseling, um, which is an extreme need, uh, both there and everywhere. And we started um, way back and At the beginning, it really was an uncharted territory. I didn't have anybody to call and say, how is this going to work? How are the students going to become engaged? Am I going to have buy-in from my principals and my staff? Am I going to be able to really service these kids and do right by them? Um, And now, of course, we know today, as everybody else is thrusted into the world of online education, remote learning, uh, therapy, counseling, related service, but yeah, it does does work and it is needed and it is an access point for when there's no access. And um, right now, I think we all find ourselves in that space of how do we connect each other? And... The foundation of e-therapy is just that, right? We want to be able to let everybody know that we're here, make it available to your schools, to your staff, to the principals, to the, um, to the students, and connect our therapists to the needs that the schools have. And it's been a journey.
1: It's amazing to me. Jeff and I have talked about this before, that in rural America, I always say rural Wisconsin because that's where I'm from and it's where I'm working. I always think that innovation is going to come from our small towns or small, our small communities, because we don't have the resources. So we are always trying to find a way to punt We're we're scrambling, we're wearing multiple hats, We're we're doing things that maybe in in more urban areas, they think that we're weird, but we're doing it out of necessity. And it seems kind of like that's what you've done. You said, here's a need Uh, where I'm in rural Arizona and there's a significant need. We don't have access. Therefore, let's flatten the world and bring that to them through e-services. And,
2: and that's exactly right. Right. Uh, what is it? Necessity is the mother of invention yeah. and that's exactly what happened. And, um, you know, starting from the corner of my kitchen in a small space of has in Northern Arizona is now across the country in hundreds and hundreds of schools, helping and serving thousands and thousands and thousands of students wow. So um, that really, it's been uh, an honor. I mean, I don't even know how you say it, like to gain the trust and demonstrate the expertise and have the practice and the evidence-based data that supports positive um, progress towards goals for these students who need it. And so that was really our springboard. And from there, now we find ourselves in an essential place working with everybody in this mental health crisis that we're in. Um, And I think the importance that, one of the important things that we have found is addressing multiple areas of the mental health crisis, which is obviously counseling for students and making that available and solving that problem for for districts um, and how to be able to get that implemented and be successful with it, but also to provide, coaching and mental health wellness programs for educators. Cause I don't know what it's like in, for your schools and where you're at, but the majority of the groups that I'm talking to, um, getting those teachers to feel that they're in a space where they can work and have better mental health and wellness for themselves, carry that over into their classroom, be able to identify the needs for their students. Cause like you said, everybody's wearing multiple hats, how do we do that, right? And so it's our job um, to create that environment for educators. So we provide coaching and mental health wellness groups for educators, for districts, to provide to their staff. So they can have um, group sessions. They work with a licensed professional counselor that provides experiential training and um, implements process for them so that they leave with strategies and resources to implement for themselves and for their students in their class. And that's been really successful as well.
1: Kind of embarrassing, Jeff, that 12 years ago, you and I were probably trying to figure out Fortnite online while Diana is helping
0: America's youth. (laughs) It's true, Adam. That's true. Fortnite 12 years ago. I don't know. That was all the rage.
2: (laughs) I think I just uninstalled that off of my (laughs) it. When you talk
1: about uh, the the programming for students, one of the hurdles that we've had to, or, or I don't even really know if that we've overcome it all the way in Wisconsin, but to try and find licensed therapists and then dealing with billable hours, insurances, and all those types of, uh, I would just call them obstacles because they're not impossible. Right. Was that was that difficult looking at an entire nation or world? I don't know how far your, your company expands, but it's got to be some, some obstacles in the way.
2: Yeah, you have to come up with some different pathways for that. So we work with the schools um, and districts with how they have their funding. So some have had grants where you can put your grant money behind it to be able to address the general ed population of students um, and implement a program and certain amount of counseling available for those students with a pre-screening process. Um, and they're able to support it that way. Then of course, the related services with counseling that are associated for kids on a 504 plan or an IEP plan sort of funnels through the idea of funding as well. Um, And then managing um, Medicaid reimbursement. So any districts that are set up that way, we can work with the district and then we Mm -hmm. bill um, through their Medicaid setup that they have, which we're able to do. Um, And then of course, state by state by state, every state differs. So um, depending on where we're set up for individual outside of the uh, school setting for counseling, they can work with us directly, and then we can work with them and provide them the information they need to submit for their own insurance. So it is, you're right, it's a juggling act and to figure out where that falls, um, but we do work uh under different pathways of funding.
0: That's interesting to note. Um uh, so so much said there and so much to unpack. And I'm just curious about a couple of things. I mean you talked about trust and, and whether it was in the context that I'm going to talk ask you about trust or not. Um is beside the point, but I want to come back to that and first hit hit upon something else that you talked about or that I was thinking as you were talking about like what about what about Prior to e-therapy, what about, you know, 12 years ago, you started the business, you noticed that there was a, um, a need due to the lack of remote access to resources where you are. Uh, what about before that? I mean, did you, were you, what were you, what were you, how did you come to this concept of yeah. e-therapy?
2: That's a great question. Um, I lived basically out of the trunk of my car <laughs> with every possible material that you could have. I had, um, I had wagons, you know, that were full that I would, that I would (laughs) with all of, I was a traveling clinic, if you will. And, um, and I would drive everywhere I needed to go, but I lost so much time in my commute. And when I say commute, like it was two and a half hours, one way and 40 miles of that was on a dirt road. that sometimes would freeze and then unfreeze and then you'd be stuck in the mud. And then I would have to figure out how eventually it was going to communicate to the school that I was stuck in the mud and wouldn't be there for hours and miss seeing my kids. And so the concept of teletherapy sort of became came to the forefront. ASHA, the American Speech and Hearing Association in 2005, it put out a statement about um, connectivity and telehealth and, and supporting uh, teletherapy and the practice of it and linking clinicians to students, but the practice of it wasn't really there, right? We had a static video conferencing equipment, which was extremely expensive. And if you were a therapist doing that, you had to buy one for yourself and the school district had to buy one and find mm. a way to fund it. And these are like $10,000. Oh, it was yeah, and you know, and then eventually someone would put it in a closet. and Then you'd have to hunt somebody down, and <laughs> need to pull that out, and and, um, and then there were really wonderful studies going on with universities um, about the efficacy and providing evidence based therapy um, through teletherapy practices that were coming out of North Carolina and Kent State and and the Omni Project and all these different wonderful groups. Um, That we're working hard behind the scenes in academia to prove this. And so with doing extensive research and connecting with different groups out there, we were really scrappy. And the only thing out there was Skype, which was terrible at the time. Yeah. Um, it was really fun. It was like looking through your TV with all the white static and having to like maybe to <laughs> push it aside and see if you could find somebody.
1: It was like a snow day in the middle of
2: October in Flagstaff. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. <laughs> of which you usually is such bright sunny blue skies. <laughs> yeah. That Today I joined you both. So, um, so coming up with that concept and we just put our, I think, you have to always be solving problems as a therapist and you're always a diagnostician. And I think we kind of put our heads together and thought, how can we, how can we figure this out in 2008, right? 2008 when it was like 30 seconds to load a page and watch it yeah. change. Yeah. And something about being in that space at that time, I think the kids were like, whoa and when I showed up they were like what why aren't you in the computer can you get back in the computer you know and now it's like the main way to communicate um but it really was um I I didn't I didn't know if it was going to work and um and I was sick of being in my car and I was sick of not seeing my kids and I and then my group sizes were like seven to nine kids right you know because you you spend all the time commuting so then you have to see everybody all at the same time and get them in and meet their minutes and so we tried something else
1: you say during that period of time you were doing like group therapy as well
2: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's
1: never ending i guess it's it's amazing
2: yeah yeah so it's you know it's that was for speech not for mental health for mental Mm -hmm. health we do do group um sessions as well Via e-therapy? Um, yeah. 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 So
1: when that's taking place, is there somebody on site as well, but I'm assuming that may be a conflict to have an adult in the room or do they sign off or how does right. that work?
2: No, that's a great question. So yeah, everything is private. We have the infrastructure set up with the district um, of where the sessions and the computer takes place. We have all of the safeguards in place. So we have our communication tree, um, everybody knows when the student is going to be receiving the service, but the service uh, is confidential and private. Um, and then if need be, we have a protocol in place if we ever need to contact somebody or we need to reach the, have somebody reach the student. And so all that infrastructure for the programming is put in place first and then we deliver the service
1: you don't seem to be a person that's like totally focused on metrics and and numbers and things like like goals, like, Oh, I got to get to this number or anything. But you said you had thousands of students that you serve. Do you have any idea of like a a close estimate of how many thousands that is?
2: Well, we have, we have, yeah, it's a great question. And my gatekeeper of all my analytics (laughs) and data is (laughs) (laughs) here. So, but it's, We have a platform. So that kind of leads into, we have an eSmart platform and that is a platform that school districts can license out as well. So what that allows for is if you're a school district and you have your own therapists, but um, you you. are switching to a hybrid solution because of quarantining or students aren't kept um, in, you know, they, are now removed from the program and they're at home and your therapists still have to reach them. Um, They can license our platform. We train them on uh, providing therapy. It tracks everything from pre-session, in-session to post-session experience. It's all the clinical data tracking for that student. Um, it's a confidential login. So the student logs in and then the therapist logs in uh, through the platform where they connect and they have pulled their session. So with that being said, we have school districts that license the platform that serve thousands of kids themselves as well. And then we, and use, utilizing our resources and our, um, we also provide continuing education and webinars for district therapists um to be able to be successful in a teletherapy experience for themselves and for their students so they don't have to reinvent the wheel because most of the time they're on site and then when they move to doing a hybrid solution and working with those students that way so there's tens of thousands of those students with those districts on there and then we our platform also supports um some nonprofits as well and they utilize that so it's when I say thousands and thousands and thousands of kids, there
1: really are. I just can't get to the exact number. Yeah, That's okay. Wow. I know that Jeff has some other questions. I can see him writing into our show notes. Um, <laughs> but before I let him ask too many questions, I have a, how, how, so you don't really, you're not on site. So you don't ever have a chance to build a relationship with a student and sometimes that's the hardest thing I have to do as a principal is to even to get them to share with me, what you have for lunch? You know, it takes weeks sometimes depending on on the struggles that that student may be facing, whether or not they're going to trust me enough to tell me that they had peanut butter and jelly or ham and cheese. How do you do that through an e-therapy situation where you've never met that student? How do I, as a principal say, Hey, Johnny, you're going to go meet with Dr. E-therapy and it's going to be in this room on your own. I'll see you in an hour. What can you describe the process for us?
2: Sure. That's a great question. That is a question I got from the very beginning.
0: <laughs> I bet.
2: How I bet. do you engage them? How do you build rapport? Yeah. Right. And it's, it's the same way, even though I can't touch you, right. I'm not physically in proximity to you in your space and I can't put my hand on your shoulder, but what I can do is I can connect with you. And that is all about understanding and communication and and learning about the student through different ways of communicating with them and engagement. So again, not static, right? We're all talking here in a static sort of environment, but I can use manipulatives and interactive activities to interest them and learn about them and engage them. So now they can send me a note and let's say they don't even feel like talking, but maybe they'd rather chat with me while we're on, right? Um, Maybe they just, we want to find a common interest and they want to show me some pictures of something that's important to them. They can do that and they can bring that into the fold. Um, We can incorporate, we're mobile, right? So depending if we're on a tablet or a laptop or, and they want to introduce me to their pet or their animal, or they want to show me something at school that's really special to them and they want to bring it and share it with me, right? So it's the engagement factor is really important in building that rapport. And then we also don't work in isolation. So we're working in a team setting with the teachers and with the principals. So I have information, you know, from you, Adam, that says, hey, this kid's really start struggling and this is what we found. And I have some background to pull from before I see them. And maybe maybe our cameras are off in the beginning, right? And maybe we're just establishing trust and and figuring out each other and what's comfortable and we're texting and chatting in a comfortable place and then we're able to get our camera on and then we're able, you know, it's a building block process um, where we have multiple and variables and we have manipulatives that we can bring in both physically and digitally. Um, And I think because these are digital natives, the students, these kids today, right? Like the three of us are, digital immigrants, and these are all digital natives. This is their comfortable space. And in a way, it's almost like one step removed for them in a level of comfortability that I think for people in our generation had to get, had to change our yeah. mind, right? Yeah. We to change our mind. <laughs> and these kids are off to the races. This is it. Wow. Wow. Jeff, I don't think
1: Diana understands the difference in our age. That I'm more of a digital native. Jeff is, you know, yeah, fifty come plus on. now, come on. and he's more of a digital immigrant than I am. So, <laughs> just thought I'd add that out there.
0: Wow! Wow! You had to go. You had to go there. Right? Yeah, that's true. I, am a lot more savvy than you, though. in yep. Many, many ways. I'm more wise and more mature. That's definitely, definitely more mature, yep. definitely more mature. Hey, so um, that's a great answer to that question about, you know, just building, working on engagement with kids, building relationships that can definitely happen. We've, we've seen that on um, uh, an online platform uh, versus in person. And, and we're seeing, you know, obviously some of the uh, the reverse take place as we come back to school, you know, like kids, kids, many of them did, did really well at home, <laughs> you know, then they don't, don't have to be around uh, a crush of kids. You know, I've got 1700 kids here at, at this at my up at the upper campus here at my, one of my high schools. Um, some kids just don't can't, are not ready for that still after and we're in eight weeks coming back and they're still just, they prefer to sit by themselves. They prefer to eat alone. So um, I, I appreciate that, that, uh, that perspective. I'm also curious about the, you know, your own staff, like at, at e-therapy, do, do you all work in isolation? I, I mean, I know you have clients, right. And you work with schools and you work with kids, but I mean, you're, you know, as a therapist, you know, do you, you're, you're kind of working in isolation. I know for me, one of the hardest parts for for me was to figure out how I was going to keep my staff engaged, mm-hmm. my staff continually motivated and the rapport and the uh, um, morale here in the building up when we couldn't really be together. Right. I mean, is that an issue in your, in, in your world, in your business?
2: Right. It, it is for therapists that work remotely, you know, yeah. you're constantly yeah. seeking community. Um, because that's how we learn and that's how we become better therapists, right? We're bouncing ideas off each other, what worked, what didn't work, what do you do when there's a difficult situation? You know, you walk into somebody's office there and say, hey, can I ask you a question, Mm -hmm. you know? And we have set up that type of structure within e-therapy for our therapists that work with us. Um, to be a full support process with that. So they were therapist owned and operated and run by therapists. So I have um, account managers that are therapists that oversee therapists working with school districts. And then that account manager is also the liaison between the school and the therapist working there. So we have a full support process. It's not just, hey school, here's your therapist. Good luck to you, good luck therapist you're on your way. Hope that's successful. Not at all. We are a complete wraparound experience for the therapist and for the school and for the student. So we make sure that our communication and our our streamlined throughout so that those therapists um, know all the staff that they're working with, with the teachers um, that support that student and have open communication with them. And then we have created an e-therapist community with any therapy. So we are constantly creating content and um, resources and materials for our own therapists. So they're able to connect with the other therapists. And then we're constantly providing them the support of um, the the school that they're in with the manager, the account manager, therapist Mm -hmm. that oversees them. you are in constant communication between your sessions on the phone with who you need to be, um, bouncing ideas off of each other, figuring out what works because we're here to, you know, be part of that.
0: I'm sure that I just wonder if there's a difference between, you know, um, like, like millennials right now, for example, you know, in, in the, in, in my only lens is education. You know, it's all I've ever done. And Adam too. So, you know, I'm wondering, I just wonder, you know, I know that there are other businesses where, you know, people work from home and they, they, and they're therefore by themselves all the time. And this is just like a normal thing. So maybe it's not as a big of a deal as, as I'm imagining it to be in my head. You know, we're such a social social, um society and you like you said it we crave community right and uh, but i think that's a that's a people thing too but i wonder if there's a difference between you know age groups and the different fields of work out there
2: yeah it, there, there is for sure and the approach is different but there again it's that changing your mind process of it's a digital community yeah so they're still not alone right um and they've bridged that gap. So, I mean, even for the kids that, you know, they're playing video games with their headset on and talking to 10 different people at the same time, right? I think Fortnite, you can do that, right? You know, and bring everybody in. And these are people they've never met. And and sometimes they provide lifelong friendships through that, you know, through that concept. So the same is with the, even though you're working remotely, you're really connected. Um, and that is what the digital experience has allowed for. Um, and, I, and I think because of the pandemic being launched into this, having education, I mean, you guys really got thrusted into, okay, we're gonna expedite the entire process for remote learning and distance learning for yourselves. And we're gonna do it, guess what? Ha, tomorrow at yeah. 8 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> and um, good luck to you and hope yeah. that goes well, right? But at the same time, as insane as that was and is, because it's not over and it's constantly being disrupted, I think it did allow for some doors to open to be able to address those students that needed that type of learning style and resource and access that maybe would have previously been shut down just because we're so used to operating in a traditional sense. Mm That now it's available in a way um, with fresh eyes, and and so that part I'm thankful for. Um, the rest of it's been really difficult.
1: While you were talking, Diane, I can think of a couple of, of benefits actually that would supersede mm-hmm. an in-person session. So, like at the beginning of COVID, when a lot of offices got closed, you could keep going without missing a step. It was already in place. Yeah. So you know, yeah. twelve years in the making. So that. Was- yeah that's excellent.
2: Yeah. And our brick and mortar schools were really thankful for it. Um,
1: Also, while you talked, you referenced several different, you know, counselors, but doing several different roles. What's the hiring process? I bet you, I bet you probably an ongoing everyday hiring going. I mean, there's gotta be ample amount of people you need to run the show.
2: Yeah, that's absolutely right. That is an ongoing process and, um, and growing. And I think, with that being said, we I think we do a good job at um, doing a forecast into what's needed and really making sure that we support that need. Um, it is tough, right? Schools are struggling with finding the therapists that they need and the staff. I mean, yeah. I have I have schools talking to me, they, they don't have bus drivers. I mean, they just don't even have the bus yeah. drivers, right? Right. Um, and uh, so you all are solving so many problems, um, and uh, and we really do have some answers and solutions for this, for the therapy piece, for compensatory time, and addressing that need, and making up the time for students that really missed their service or needed need additional counseling for your general general education students now. So um, I think with that being said, just really being able to inform and educate the schools and the administrators out there that we have the people let's connect them to the students
1: well as long as we don't start doing therapy through snapchat i'm okay with it okay
0: (laughs) Uh,
2: yeah Yeah, totally Uh,
1: well you you've talked about several um challenges already within just in the last twelve years, things that you've had to either overcome, your ongoing like hiring, like as it grows, I can't imagine yeah. that. You know, I I, um, I fret sometimes about having to replace a teacher, so you know once yeah. a year, and I enjoy the process, but I don't know if I'd enjoy it if I had to do it every every day or every week or right. whatever. But just the magnitude of people you have could be one of the challenges you face. Uh, a long time ago, during one of our episodes, Livia Chan said, it's not a challenge. Those are opportunities. Mm-hmm. So is there an opportunity that you'd like to share with our group or a challenge that uh, you've either successfully overcome or one that you're like, yeah, don't do it this way. <laughs> you know, this is what I did. Don't do it this way.
2: <laughs> no, that's a good question. Well, I think you exactly kind of hit the nail on the head, right? I mean, we're constantly having those conversations with our schools and, um, that feeling of, I don't have enough people or I have enough people and everyone goes, oh, I'm fine. And then guess what? You don't, you know, that person doesn't show up to work on the first day of school. I think we've all been there Um, and, uh, or we have a therapist that, you know, has made a commitment and is switching. And so, you know, we're looking to fill that need as well. Um, But either way, I think having that safety net of knowing that um, have as many people in place as you need and feel secure about that, that's what we want, right? And when you find yourself backed against the wall when those three therapists quit or you have all of a sudden your caseload has doubled in size that you didn't anticipate, right? being able to know that you can reach out and that we can solve that. So that's been an opportunity for us um, is to say, and this is what I get every time, hands down the last 12 years, right? End of August, September, October, uh, I I need three full-time therapists. I don't have them. I had them, I don't have them, you know? Um, and we're able to come in really pretty swiftly and solve that problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has been sort of the organic growth of where I came from 12 years ago is being able to not just solve the problem, but be an actual part of a team process where we're not just a staffing company, you know, we're part of your team and we are, we know what we do and we know how we do it and we do it really well. And, and making, when my schools, when we go to conferences and I have people come by and talk to us and have them say, hey, I see that uh, e-therapy is assigned to this particular student. And it's coming from a teacher. And they said, they were like, I breathe a sigh of relief because I know that my kid's going to be taken care of. And, but that's genuine. That's, that's a genuine experience for somebody going to work in their everyday place of work and knowing that they don't have to panic or feel anxiety about getting the need met for their student and that that's being taken care of, but consistently, right? And we're not going to, we're, we're actually, we're going to stick through the entire process Um, and educate the staff as well with that. Uh, and that that's been a really wonderful opportunity for us.
1: I love to hear your confidence, like like even the when when other people say, oh, good, e-therapy is here that, you know, my, my students can be taken care of. I love to hear the sound of confidence in your voice because I've worked with a lot of vendors, not all through uh, e-therapy or, or mental health in general. But sometimes when you talk to somebody and they're like, maybe, well, I don't yeah. want maybes, you know, especially yeah. when we're talking about uh, the mental health of our students. Mm-hmm. So I really like, I get a little goosebumpy because I feel like you're totally confident in what you just said. And I totally yeah. appreciate that as a, as a building administrator, trying to look out for the best interest of my sure. students. Uh, thank
0: you. Well, people need to hear that, you know, people need to hear that. And they also need to, I mean, you've got 12 years to, to back up you know, your, your, Mm -hmm. that confidence, right. You know, what you're good at, you know, what you, you guys, I mean, I mean, you wouldn't have lasted 12 years. Right. So, so obviously it's working. And, uh, obviously there's a definite need for it. Um, and, uh, you know, like I said, at the beginning, like we talked about at the beginning, I'm sure that, um, you know, you've seen a, maybe a spike. We didn't really talk about it, but a spike since the pandemic and people were scrambling to make sure that needs were met and, and, um, not even knowing really what those needs were and maybe they didn't really hadn't paid attention and put mental health at the forefront of, you know, but, but, you know, before academics, but realize that, wow, we, we really need to now. Um, and so kudos to you, Diana and e-therapy and your staff. And uh, we just are, you know, appreciative of what you do. do and it was great to bring you on today and hear a little more about that. But before we wrap up, um, I just, we just have one more question that we ask every guest and, and uh, you could take this in any direction you want, but that is, what are you hopeful for?
2: Oh, that's such a good question. Um, it's a dip, That's a difficult question. It
0: though. is. It, it, it can be. Yeah, for sure.
2: There's so many things. I mean, big. But, it's big. Yeah. But really what I hope is that I hope that we stay awake.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. I
2: hope that we maintain awareness. Um, and I think people who work in education have one of the hardest jobs. Right. We're underappreciated. We're overworked. We're um, and we're obviously we've making we've made this choice to be in education because we want to make things better in our communities for our students for our children and um, there's no better return of investment on than the success of a child right and that is that's what's the most important that moves us ahead as a society and makes us better human beings. Um, and so for me, I just, I hope that people continue to fight the fight. It is not easy. And, um, you know, thank you from all of us to all of the educators out there and everybody that's listening to your podcasts, um, to go to work every day, doing what you do is one of the biggest challenges. And one of the most Mm -hmm. important jobs we have, right. Is Mm -hmm. our kids. Um, so that's my hope.
1: Well, my mom and my wife and Jeff's wife are the audience, so I'm sure they'll appreciate that.
0: <laughs> uh, I, hope. But, I hope. I don't. I don't think my wife's listened to a single. <laughs> I don't think mine has either.
1: I think she did once, way back in yeah, the very maybe, beginning. Maybe once, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. That's great. I love that. I love how you started it. I love, I mean, that's such a, you know, you could have stopped right there and and everyone would have been like, Hmm, I hope we stay awake is what you said. You know, that was beautiful. And um, so I, I love that Diana. Thank you. If people want to, want to hear more about e-therapy, if they're interested in talking to you about what that looks like for their school communities, how, what's the best way to find you?
2: Sure. You can go to our website, which is wwwelectronic therapy.com Um, and all of our information is there. You can email me directly, which is Diana P. So D I A N A P at electronic dash therapy.com. Um, yeah. And you can just connect with us right through there.
0: Great, great. Well, we'll make sure that we put that in the show notes and uh, and continue to advertise for you guys. Fantastic work! Thank you for all you do and your staff. And um, it was just a real pleasure to talk to you today, Diana.
2: Yes, you. It as was well. so easy.
0: It was like therapy. I, like, uh, I feel better. <laughs> I, feel really better. Awesome. I feel I feel better. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
2: <Good>. <laughs> oh well, thank you for having me. I really. Appreciate all
0: right. It. Take care, Diana and Adam. I'll see you next time on the Principal Leadership Lab.